Thanks so much for joining us and for tuning in to the Steeple Church podcast. Our hope as you listen in is that you might encounter Jesus, hear and receive his love, and be encouraged and empowered by his spirit to be and bring life and love to one another and to the other in your world. If you would like to get in touch with us or keep up to date with what's happening in and through the life of Steeple Church, please jump on to our website at steeplechurch.com.au or follow us on the socials via Facebook or Instagram at steeple.church. We're looking forward to meeting you one day soon, but in the meantime, enjoy the message. Bless you, fam. How are you? Uh, Well, it is my honour and pleasure to share the message with you this morning. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, It is an honour to call Steeple home, uh, I think since really the start of the year, maybe towards the end of last year. Um, But I'd like to begin uh, by, um, once again, I know we did it at the start of the service, but I'd like to also uh, just do a quick uh, acknowledgement Um, So I'd like to begin by acknowledging the custodians of this land that we meet to fellowship and worship together on, the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the Wurundjeri peoples who with great care show deep respect for our lands, our rivers and our sky. While this building may be fairly new, if you think in the context of how long our Indigenous cultures have been here for, Uh, This land was inhabited and was used by many as Jimbana, which means a meeting place to build relationship together. Thank you for gathering today that we can yanambul, yanada, which means you can hear and listen what is being said today. This is all from the Woiwurrung language. I'd also like to pause and just acknowledge the many Indigenous Christian pioneers that have laid foundation for us, as many many of us learned this week in the Songlines Tour, uh, and they laid foundations for the movement that we're part of, which is the Churches of Christ. Um, What a rich heritage we come from, Steeple. So why don't we just take a little moment to pause and reflect on that. So once again, I want to thank you for uh, allowing for me to come and, and share this message with you. Um, so my name is, is Sunil Joseph. The, the last place that I was able to share at was my parents' uh, church, and the pastor introduced me by my middle name as well, uh, which is Sam. So uh, don't ask me why that's not my first name, but uh, I might explain that to you a little bit later. Um, but yeah, so Sunil Sam Joseph, which I found hilarious, and he said it maybe three or four times, uh, and I felt like I was doing, you know, some sort of interview or a passport check or something, because that's the only time I really write my, my middle name down. But um, for context, I was born to two Indian migrants uh, and find myself as part of the Indian diaspora coming to Australia and settling and, and trying to find identity here. Uh, I'm the youngest of three children. Um, I'm the husband of one amazing wife uh, and father to two cheeky yet extremely fun boys who are over there in kids' church, getting excited to smash things together. Um, So, uh, yeah, that probably explains a little bit about who I am. And um, I want to uh, start today in Scripture. Uh, I want to start from uh, Scripture. And I didn't didn't plan for anyone to read this. I do apologise. That's my poor planning, but I will read it myself. (laughs) It's uh, it's from Micah chapter 6, verse 8. 
and it is a pretty famous verse, but I do want to read it out to you because I'm sure most of you could probably recite it. Um, but how Micah chapter 6 verse 8 goes is like this. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? What a passage to explore together this morning, church. And thank you for giving me uh, the opportunity to open up this scripture and and talk to you about it. Uh, You know, my journey uh, has been one of decolonizing my faith. And we might have heard that a lot. We hear that at the start of our services, but maybe an easier way to explain that, because some people think, what does decolonizing mean? Uh, Maybe another way of explaining it is by saying, uh, it is a journey of discovering what is good. That has been my journey, discovering what is good. Um, And so before I open up and and, and get into this message, uh, why don't we just pray quickly? Our gracious and merciful God, we humbly come before you today to explore this text. Thank you that you've given us stories to share your goodness and mercy, that we can bless others with our testimony. May the words coming out of my mouth be guided by your spirit to encourage and edify your people. Amen. All right, so church, let me ask you this. What's good? What's good? What's good? God is good. Amen. So this is the thing. This question, what's good, is very commonly heard in American culture, right? There's a, you know, you see US TV shows, you see people ask, you know, what's good? You know, that's the question. And I don't think I can do it too much justice. But I think when we go to Micah 6 verse 8, that is what we are starting with. A lot of people start Micah 6 verse 8 from the second sentence. But the first sentence says, O mortal, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And today in society, we seem to have a problem with defining good. And just like we learnt in our first book study, there are rival liturgies that are coming at us that are trying to define what is good in our life. You know, for us, we are called as people of Christ to be shaped by Scripture. But instead, we're shaped by the things of the world. We're shaped by these rival liturgies that try and define this thing for us. So how do we see what is good? So just as it says in Hebrews 1, when we read scriptures, we are led by the prophets to understand what is good. And we are shown through the example of Jesus what good is. You know, growing up, I was the only, uh, I was often the only brown child uh, in a group full of Anglo-Saxon peers. And I stood out. You know, you stand out with your beautifully tanned skin, look like I just came straight from Mykonos. Um, but no, this is, this, is, this is how I was born. This is the colour that I am and was. And in that context, it stood out quite a lot. You know, all I wanted to do was to fit in. And I was actually named after a famous cricketer. So the reason my name is actually Sunil is because it's after a famous cricketer named Sunil Gavaskar. Uh, Now, I didn't appreciate that much when I was younger because I wasn't that good at cricket. I wish I was better at cricket. Um, But a few of my friends thought I played a little bit more like a famous cricketer named David Boone. So therefore, my nickname became Booney. So that's what I got called when when I was younger. 
And here's the thing, so you get, you get named after an Indian cricketer, you live in a different context, and you get given a different nickname, right? Now, part of me actually thought, well, maybe I'm actually finally fitting in. But let's be honest, besides the moustache and maybe the, the tummy here, I don't look much like David Boone. So it wasn't really someone I could really relate to. From grade seven, I wore blazers at high school. And you know, in my school, when you wore blazers, the thing is, you didn't just wear a blazer. What you wanted was you wanted colours on your blazer and you wanted badges on your blazer. The badges were commonly referred to, ref, referred, referred to as loot. That's what we referred the badges as. Now, can I ask you, church, does anyone know what the meaning of loot is? Something's been stolen. Treasure, and then something's been stolen. So here's the interesting thing for you, right? This might be helpful when you do trivia one day and uh, you get quizzed on Hindi words. But Hindi is the national language of the country where my parents are from, which is India. They don't speak Hindi, they speak another language. India is a very diverse country. And no, no one in India speaks Indian, believe it or not. That's not a language. Um, but the national language is Hindi. And in Hindi, the word loot actually means to rob, to steal. So when you think about the context of Indians and the English colonising that country, the word that they used for the English was they looted our country. So that's actually how we use that word. That's where that comes from. Here's the interesting thing for me. In my context in school, what I wanted was loot, right? So I seeked something that was not necessarily right. And it was all for the sake of fitting in. It was all for the sake of trying to be one of them. I always thought good was not ruffling any feathers. It was wanting the best in life and just being nice to others, you know, being courteous. It sounds pretty good, right? That sounds, sounds like good. But what I've learned in this faith journey so far is that good is not denying who you are. Good is not defining morality or purity culture or denying people's identities. Many Christians and churches are here to blame because they claim things in Scripture which Scripture does not lead us to. Scripture does not lead us to denying who we are, church. When Pastor Jared asks us, what does it mean to treat our baptism seriously? I think he is asking us, how do we define good and live out our calling? The world defines the good life as living for self, living to see yourself glorified. Christ shows us that good is giving of ourself to see God glorified through his creation. So as we go on in this verse, we've been talking about what is good, but as we go on in this verse, we are asked to do three things to fulfill what is good. We are asked to do these, th these three things, to do, to love, and to walk. And like any good Pentecostal preacher, I've got three points, which is to do, to love, and to walk. So here we go. How do we do justice? This is what we're called to do in Micah 6, verse 8. How do we do justice? Justice is not putting yourself before others. And, but here is the thing. Here is my context, because when I grew up, my view of justice was very different. I often mixed up just, justice with the punishment or law against others.
if I found out someone did something bad and they were going to jail for a long time, this would be the easiest way to say, well, that's justice. Justice for me was denying who I was to fit in somewhere where I was never going to be truly welcome. To assimilate as best as possible that I just blended into the background. You know, when someone would say to me uh, when I was younger or even, you know, maybe 10 years ago, they would say, oh, wow, I can't believe you're Indian. I can't believe that's your background, you know. You're so different. I used to smile to myself and think that I just earned some assimilation points in this game of life. That's what, that's, that's, that was my aim, so it made me happy. You know, how differently I react to that statement now. My identity is complicated. Just as the Christian author Stan Grant has written, identity is dangerous. I, and, and, and I agree with the statement, because especially when we attempt to overdefine this idea of identity, we showcase our differences, which makes us less human than our neighbour. What I have learnt is this, that when I wish I was something else at best, or at my worst, hate who God has made me, viewing myself in this light will result in how I treat my neighbour. And this is not justice. I always thought I needed to set myself up so well before being able to do justice, right? Oh, justice is charity, right? I've got, to, I've got to give money towards something. So maybe if I get this really amazing job and I earn all of this money, maybe I'll have something to, to give and, and to be able to be compassionate and to do some justice. After all, this is the example that I'd had from previous leaders. I'd had from previous pastors. I had this, this idea that I had to have a hunger for power to get myself into the top, top rank, into a place where I had the control that the world provides. You know, when we aim to be at the top of the systems around us, we're aiming to be in the exact place that Jesus invites us out of. So what is justice? Let me help explain in the context of walking in solidarity with our Indigenous brothers and sisters. You know, this is NAIDOC week. We're at the end of NAIDOC week now. We're called to advocate with permission for the rights and the well-being of others, especially those who have been historically marginalised. We must work towards dismantling systems of injustice. We must prevent injustice happening in the future and inequality that perpetuate the suffering of Indigenous Australians. We can use our voice, our resources, and our natural sphere of influence to bring about positive change. Love mercy, so what does it mean to love mercy? Well, we're called to love, we're called to love mercy. The word in Micah 6 verse 8 in the Hebrew is actually pronounced hesed, which is known as loving kindness. Maybe you sang a song in the past. I know I sang a song about God's loving kindness. It's a very Christianese word. So what does it mean to love hesed? I'm called to love God's love. That's what I'm called to do. I'm called to love God's love. You know, when I was 19, I was in a restaurant on Chapel Street uh, and I was approached by a rather intoxicated man who told me, if you were in jail, I would protest to get you out. And I just looked at him and I, and I thought to myself, okay, <laughs> thank you. This was literally the first interaction we'd, we'd ever had. And you know, I didn't fully realise that many times I'd been confused as being one of my Indigenous brothers and sisters, as being mob. But this random act of loving kindness from this stranger, a man that didn't know me, 
was received with embarrassment. My friends laughed at me. I would, they would remind me of this story. And then I would tell this story to others. I would tell this story to others in that sort of classic way where you take the mickey out of yourself. You know, oh, can you believe it? They confused me as, as, as being Aboriginal. You know, now I feel lucky uh, that I was actually, uh, you know, identified as one of my Indigenous brothers and sisters, considering I know them. But here's the reality, church, is that I, there's, it is highly unlikely that I would be in, in a situation of being wrongfully imprisoned. But at times it feels that we put ourselves in our own prisons of colonised environments. We put ourselves in our own prisons by doing things that God has not called us to do, being part of systems that God has not called us to be part of. You know, loving mercy is not laughing at when God shows up for us in the most unassuming of places. When you do a deep dive on God's has said, this characteristic is beyond God simply just saying, he loves us. It's not just God saying, I love you, and he does, he loves you. But this, this love you goes beyond just the words. It's a posture. It's a posture that God takes in love, which shows extreme loyalty to us as his children. So to take our baptism seriously means to love mercy. It's to love God's loyal love. We are called to extend grace, compassion and forgiveness to those who have been wronged. We should seek understanding, empathy and liberation. We must be willing to learn from the wisdom of our Indigenous Australians, valuing their traditions, stories and cultural heritage, to remain loyal to them and as God has said, is loyal to us, his loyal love for us. All right, well, we're up to walk. So how do we walk? How do we walk humbly? What does your walk look like? You know, walking humbly to me was, was praying every day. It was trying to read the Bible every day and trying to figure out what it meant. Now, these are not bad things in itself. Please understand me, church. But these are the things that I thought it was just to walk humbly. It was praying, it was walking, it was very personal. It was all insular. It was all just for my own edification being a good boy who stayed out of people's way it, and, and, and was very courteous. People go, oh, that's Sunil, he's so nice. What a nice guy. You know, it was knowing my place. It was knowing my lane. It was striving to be better, but also being mindful that I didn't step on anyone's toes. It was also seeing the people on the streets and thinking, I never want to end up like them. That is what walking humbly was to me. You know what, church, my walk wasn't humble, it was heavy. That's what my walk was. I used to look at people take the stage, uh, you know, whether it be at a church or whether it be at a big conference, and I used to see how they'd talk about being humble. They would talk about how they could have been many things to the world, but they decided to be just this speaker to you today. Let me tell you this, church, if you talk about being humble, you're probably not humble. Humbleness is a very, 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 very different thing. When we put ourselves central to the story, when we think that we are the hero, we have missed the mark. Walking humbly is remembering that Jesus is the answer and we are called to act like him. To be on this journey of the baptised life means we walk humbly with our God. We acknowledge that we are not the saviours, but we are co-labourers in God's redemptive work. 
Amen? We recognise that we have our own blind spots, we have our own prejudices, and we humbly seek to grow in our understanding of Indigenous cultures. We strive to be respectful, we strive to be open-minded and accountable in our journey as allies. So today, Steeple Church, I ask and invite you to reflect on the call of Micah 6 verse 8. Are we acting justly towards our neighbours? Are we acting justly towards our Indigenous brothers and sisters? Are we loving mercy? Are we seeking to understand their stories and their struggles? Are we walking humbly with our God, allowing God to transform our hearts and actions? But why, son, why? Why should I do this? Because Jesus, simply that is the answer. This is what Jesus did. And in Jesus, we see the father, we see the mother, we see what is good and what it is to do justice, to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. As we take seriously our call to be like Jesus, let us stand in solidarity with Indigenous Australians, working towards a more just and inclusive society. May we honour their rich heritage and contribute to the healing and liberation of our nation together. I want to leave you with a quote from Auntie Lilla Watson, which I believe is a call for us here at Steeple. If you have come to help me, you're wasting your time. If you have come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together. It's not merely a, a, you know, a matter of just standing in solidarity. It's wanting to work towards bringing liberation, which liberates us all. Thanks again for tuning in to the Steeple Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged as you listened in. As I said at the top of the podcast, we loved having and hosting you in this way, but we'd love to hear from you and pray for you. So please drop us a line via our website or better yet, if you're local to Melbourne, drop in on one of our Sunday gatherings, 10 a.m. every Sunday in the hall of St. Barnabas Anglican Church at 86 Bowen Road, Bowen. Peace and love, friends. Have a great week.